0: good morning everyone good morning. hope you're doing well this morning uh, for those of you I don't know my name's Todd I'm the lead pastor here uh, so glad that you uh, are here worshiping uh, with us and I just want to say thank you for those of you who are it's your first time and uh, also those of you who are listening to our podcast we're glad that you've joined in as well and Those of you who are here in the building today, um, who are like behind maybe the third or fourth row, you can't see this, but our first two rows are filled with students, two or three rows, (laughs) that are filled with students who are part of D-Now this weekend. And they have been, uh, over the past uh, three days, involved with Disciple Now, which is a fantastic uh, thing that we do. But this is actually, this is our first time doing it. And um, so you guys are pioneers in D-Now. You're like the first class ever of D-Now. So... and just so you know, they've been they've been uh, talking about this idea of pause and how uh, we can pause and and hear from God. And, and Jonathan, who is a guest speaker, Jonathan Holmes, is here from uh, Oklahoma. He's been here with us. Jonathan, thanks for being here with us. And he's been talking to the students about what it means to have a time of pause and pause in the midst of the chaos, too. And uh, so, man, thank you so much for uh, uh, being a part of that. Thanks for our volunteers and host homes for D-NOW over the past few days. And let's give it up for Cody, our student pastor. <laughs> wow. Six hours of sleep in two nights, and they're still loud. I'm impressed. Way to go. Well, listen, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We're going to be there today. If you don't have your Bibles uh, on your notes that you received coming in, you can take a look at the verses. We'll have the verses on the screen here uh, this morning. We are going to be in Acts chapter 4 here in just a few minutes, and I want to invite you to follow along if you have a uh, tablet or device that you want to get on our free Wi-Fi and go to our website to follow along. You can do that uh, as well. We are ending a series today that we have entitled Fearless Prayer. And it's a three-week series, relatively short, compared to some of the other message series that we've done here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. But it's been really power-packed. It's been, I think, energetic. And I pray and I hope, and my goal for this series... I don't want you to miss this. Um, My goal for the series is that you uh, will have been inspired um, to pray, not just individually, but that you will be inspired to come around the idea of God's people joining together in prayer. And I know even you students who are here this morning, you guys have talked about the aspect of of having conversation with God, talking with God that he wants and he desires to have a relationship with you. And so we talked about that here in week one. We talked about the fact that Jesus, right in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthews 5, 6, and 7, he took a moment and he prayed, and we call that the Lord's Prayer, and he prayed to God the Father. And he, in doing so, he taught us how to pray. And so I wanted, in week one, to come around this idea that we can learn how to communicate with God right from Jesus' prayer, right in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. We can learn what it means to have communication with God. And so in week one, we walked through what is prayer, what is talking with God, and what does it mean to have communication with God with God. If you were here last week, um, you heard from Pastor Des Wadsworth, who's one of the associate pastors at our sister church, Low Country Community Church out in Bluffton. And I, if, you, if you weren't here last week and you were a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church, I want to challenge you to go back to our podcast and listen to that message in particular, because it was a powerful message that I believe that we as a church needed to hear about the fact that if we are really going to take prayer seriously and talking about the importance of prayer, that we've got to have faith when we pray that God is a God who can answer those prayers. And he made a particular statement that I just want to remind you of if you were here and let you who weren't here know about it. He said this in the midst of that message last week. He said that, God's are the people people in the world today aren't seeing the results of of God because God's people are not involved in a god-sized mission or assignment. <laughs> I'm here to tell you today as your pastor that at Hilton Head Island Community Church, we are about ready to turn the page on a new chapter in this church and I promise you these next years are going to be all about a God-sized assignment. And I can't wait next week, beginning next week, March 2nd, I want to encourage you to be here. By the way, I loved the enthusiasm about the 15-minute time change. That was inspiring for me as a pastor. We're moving the service 15 minutes earlier. Oh... We're doing that so that you have the opportunity to help out around here and to serve in our church. We're really going to emphasize the idea of sitting in one service and serving at the other. And so that's part of the reason that we did that was to help you out. So trust me, we had your best interest in mind uh, with that time change. But be here next week as we begin to unpack Maximum Impact, which will be a message series. But it'll also be me unpacking what I believe the next chapter is and the vision Of Hilton Head Island Community Church, and so I can't wait for that. I want to encourage you to be here next week for that, but today as we kind of conclude this series and look at a particular prayer that the first church prayed in Acts 4, uh, I'm excited about it because what it does is it's going to help us understand what happens when God's people come together, not just to pray. I I mean, I I don't know about you, many of you who have grown up in church, you've been to plenty of, of prayer meetings in my church growing up, we had open mic prayer night every Sunday night. <laughs> Some of you probably remember that. Like, and it was the same people that gave the same request each week over and over again. It just was. And it was great. And we saw many great things happen. But, 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 God's people, when we come together and pray bold prayers, I mean audacious prayers, when we do that, believing that God can provide, he can do all amazing, amazing things in our midst. And so today's message is one that will hopefully inspire all of us to take a look and be centered around this idea of us coming together and praying bold prayers before God. We're going to have the opportunity to do that this coming Friday night right here, 7 o'clock. We're going to gather together here. We've got child care that's going to be provided that night. I want to encourage you to be here This coming Friday night as we have a night of fearless prayer, as we kind of end this series with us practicing this together as a church and kick off and ask for God's help as we kind of turn the page in this chapter of Hilton Head Island Community Church that I'm so excited about. Acts chapter 4. I want you to imagine with me for a moment the followers of Jesus in the first century. Some of these followers of Jesus that we're going to read about here in a moment were actually with Jesus when he died. They they were some of the ones who literally sacrificed everything about their lives to go follow Jesus. There's a story in the Gospels about John And James literally dropping their nets, they were fishermen, and they literally received their income through their business of fishing and through their father's business of fishing. And they literally dropped their nets to follow this man, this rabbi, this Jewish rabbi named Jesus. And so they gave up everything and there were not just dozens, not just hundreds, but there were probably thousands of people who literally dropped everything to follow Jesus and in many cases they probably went through terrible personal ridicule and in some cases persecution. They were laughed at. They were made fun of. And if you and I in today's day and age had a loved one that went and followed Jesus, we probably would have organized an intervention with our friends and family. Like, what are you doing? This guy is teaching something different than what we know. He's teaching a message of a personal relationship with God and one of love, not rules, And we would have probably brought into question, why are you following him? And so think with me about these early Christians who followed Jesus, and then they were with Jesus when he went through this trial that was a false trial. It was an illegal trial. He was brought up on charges that he didn't commit, on crimes he didn't commit. And then he was beaten, and then he was nailed to a wooden cross because of these crimes he didn't commit. Think for a moment if you were a part of one of those people who gave up everything to follow this man, Jesus, and all of a sudden one day you see his body hanging on a cross, bleeding, had been beaten, and watching him suffer. And what if you were there in that moment that Jesus gasped one last time and breathed his last breath? At that moment on that Passion Week, that week of Passover, the Jewish Passover, you, if you were a follower of him, were probably hopeless in a lot of ways. You were probably wondering if all the things that he talked about were really false, and maybe some of your family that really questioned you following this rabbi, maybe they were right, because now Jesus was gone. Fast forward three days later, you're there in Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, someone runs into Jerusalem and says, his body is gone. He was buried in a cave in a tomb. A a stone was rolled in front of it. A centurion was there to stand guard. Roman centurions were there to stand guard so thieves couldn't break in and take his body. There was no other way out of this tomb, yet all of a sudden, as they rolled the stone away, they walked in, and all that was left the clothes that Jesus was embalmed in. His body was gone. His flesh and blood and his bones were all gone. So in many cases, I would imagine that if you were a follower of Christ in those early days, right after his death, and now his resurrection, you probably would have been wondering, what in the world is going on? And then something happens in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. We see God's Holy Spirit descend on the believers there, those first Christians, those original people who gathered together, followers of the way the Bible talks about, and they were there and the Holy Spirit descended on them. God's Holy Spirit filled them up. Jesus had promised that. He said, I'm going to be leaving you, but I will leave you with a comforter and a counselor. And so the Holy Spirit descends on these early Christians, and all of a sudden, their numbers grow from hundreds to thousands and more thousands, and all of a sudden, you see amazing things happen, and all of a sudden, because of the power of God in their lives, these early Christians were performing some of the same type of miracles that Jesus was performing when he was alive. And we fast forward to Acts chapter 4, and at the beginning of Acts chapter 4, we see two of the church leaders, uh, John and Peter, who are performing a miracle, and the miracle that they performed and the way that they were preaching the gospel, preaching the message of Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins, and if we have faith in him, we can have eternal life with God in heaven one day, got the attention of the religious leaders and the Roman rulers of that day. And all of a sudden, these two leaders of this early church were thrown into jail. Imagine what you would be feeling at this moment in time. Some theologians believe that Acts chapter 4 happened as many as three years after Jesus' death or resurrection. But a lot of theologians believed it happened within about 60 days of Jesus' death and resurrection. So if they're true, if 60 days has gone by, just two months has gone by, Jesus has died, his body is gone, all these miracles are being performed, all of this, uh, this uh, preaching is going on, their numbers are being added to, and all of a sudden, two of the most important leaders of this people of the way are now incarcerated in a jail. I mean, if you and I were involved with these first Christians I don't know about you, I I might be kind of scared at this point in time. My reaction to having John and Peter thrown into jail might be one of um, uh, regression. Like, I I probably, if I had been one of the leaders, I probably would have been like, hey guys, let's gather around here. Um, I I really think we need to change our strategy here because as we are performing these miracles and as we're teaching and preaching the gospel, um, we are really, really, kind of getting a bullseye on our backs with the Roman government and the Jewish leaders. Why don't we just, like, get quiet? Like, I'm just being honest with you. It's got to be encouraging for some of you as the pastor, I'm being honest, and telling you that I would have been like, hey, let's just keep it quiet for a little bit. I mean, we we don't need to draw this attention. What about our families? I mean, if they arrest me, what about my kids and my wife? How are they going to survive And so I don't know about you, but I would have reacted like, hey, isn't there a better way to do this? Isn't there a safer way to do this than the way we've been doing it? Because Jesus is dead and he's gone, and John and Peter are now in jail. So what's up? Let's change our strategy. I'm just telling you, I would have reacted like that. Is there anyone else in the room that would have reacted like me? I want to know if I'm like the only wimp in here. Okay, there's three other wimps. Okay, there's more of you. Finally, some honesty in church. That's good. So I don't know about you, but I would have reacted like, we've got to change our strategy here. This is not working. We've got to change the way we're doing things. I want you to look at Acts chapter 4. And today we're going to take a look at verses 24 through 30. And I want you to notice how that first group of Christians reacted once they found out that their leaders were in jail. They come back, they're released from jail. And it's interesting, even in the beginning of Acts 4, I want to encourage you to go read the first uh, 22 verses of Acts chapter 4 because it's interesting. Peter and John are in jail and literally the jailers, and they have a trial there and they ask them, by whose authority are you doing these miracles? By whose authority are you preaching the gospel? And you know how they respond? By preaching the gospel. They did the very thing that got them into jail in the first place. And so they come back into Jerusalem. They're finally released because the Jewish leaders realized they couldn't keep them. There were really literally no charges. But they come back in, and they tell all these Christians, this first-century church, about what had happened. And look how these people respond, verse 24. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. And they quote a passage from Isaiah here. We'll come back to it in a minute. Excuse me, from uh, Psalms here in a minute. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Verse 27. For truly in this city, in Jerusalem, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod, Pontius Pilate, all the Gentiles, and the people of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And look at verse 29. Don't miss verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants protection and peace. That's not what it says, is it? Grant to your servants safety. That's not what it says does it? Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with, what's that next word? All boldness. Boldness. Are they crazy? They're asking God for boldness. Boldness is what got them in trouble in the first place, isn't it? That's what caused the problem in the first place. They continued to do the work of God. And when faced with more fear and more persecution, these early Christ followers, this early church, got on their knees and they actually prayed for more boldness. I don't know about you. I'm embarrassed about what my reaction would have been. They prayed for more boldness. Last week, Des challenged us with something. He suggested that our prayers are tied to our ability to be used by God. And when their backs were against the wall, when the first Christians in that early days of the first century When they were proclaiming the gospel, when they were speaking with their mouths the gospel message, and when they were performing miracles, when their backs were against the wall, they actually prayed for more boldness. I don't know about you, but when I read that prayer, that is the epitome of courageous, fearless, audacious prayer, isn't it? Isn't that incredible? that that's the kind of prayer that they were praying. Our mission here at Hilton Head Island Community Church is to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ and to lead people to follow him. It goes right back to the Great Commission listed in Matthew 28 that we are to be about the work of God. If you are here today and you're a Christ follower, students, adults, parents, parents, those of you who are retired who live here full-time, those of you who are on vacation here from another state which will remain nameless, we, if we are Christ followers, are supposed to be on mission for God all about the Great Commission. And I know one thing, that if those first Christians had not humbled themselves and got on their knees and asked for boldness, I'm not sure that the church would have continued. They got on their knees and they asked God for boldness. At the first moment that they were pressed, they asked God for boldness. You see, Hilton Head Island Community Church, I believe that part of the reason that we still exist today and that we are still on mission today is that a group of Christ followers in the first century, over 2,000 years ago, prayed for boldness. They prayed for boldness. They asked for God to help them to continue in the face of fear, in the face of potential persecution, to continue to preach the gospel message and to continue to spread that gospel message today what i want to do is i want to break this prayer down into three points for us to kind of get our minds around it get our hearts around it so that we as a people we as a church can gather around it and rally around it and that we can model the same type of bold fearless prayer first of all i believe what they did first of all is they recognize the authority of god and that's what we've got to do we've got to always recognize the authority of god We're about to embark on some new, amazing, exciting things that are going to cause a lot of fear for a lot of us, including me. But we need to, first of all, before we embark on that, we need to always recognize the authority of God. Verse 24, and when they had heard what happened, they lifted their voices together and they said, Sovereign Lord, Sovereign Lord. That literally means master, owner master, owner. Isn't that great? They cried out to God and said, master, owner, and then went on to say, the one who made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. You see, before they prayed the bold prayer, they told God and they recognized that God was in control. They recognized that God was in control. Listen, a bold prayer came only once they had humbled themselves and got on their knees and realized that he was the authority. Because these Christians in the first church realized that they could do nothing great for God until they recognized that he is the authority, that he is the authority sovereign Lord. These Jewish Christians, these, who, these people who gathered together that we're talking about this morning, they were actually Jewish people that had converted to following Jesus. They, they were converts, and so they understood everything about uh, their, their Judaism. They understood everything about their religion. And so as they prayed, they beckoned back to really a phrase that was used in Isaiah that king, one of the kings of Judah, Hezekiah, uh, uh, cried out to God. He used that same language, sovereign Lord, maker of the universe, maker of the heavens and earth. And he cried out because the people of Judah were being oppressed by their enemies. Do you see the similarities? So it beckoned back to an Old Testament time when a group of people were crying out to God because they were oppressed, and they were pressed in and fearful of their enemies. And this group of first Christians appeals in the same way, and the very first thing they do, as counterintuitive as it is for us, before they make that bold request is they humble themselves before God and realize that he is the one who's in authority. The only difference between King Hezekiah and Judah and this group of Christians is that King Hezekiah asked for deliverance from their enemies. This group of Christ followers, what are they asking for? Boldness, courage, a fearless attitude in terms of giving the message of Jesus Christ. Listen, Hilton Head Island Community Church, we have to first and foremost realize that God is the one who's in authority over us. It's the first step in us becoming people who have fearless prayer and can accomplish something great that God has given us. We've got to recognize he's in control. I went to Liberty University in the early 1990s, and at Liberty University in the early 1990s, if you wanted to stay off campus, I was a a resident student, if you wanted to stay off campus, you had to go through the correct channel to get permission to stay off campus. I know it sounds crazy. They just wanted to keep tabs on us all the time. It's a great place. (laughs) It was a great place, I promise you. But we had to ask permission from the one who could grant the request. I couldn't go to my roommate and go, hey, Matt. Can you give me permission to stay off campus tonight? He didn't have the authority to grant that. The guy who came into English 101 late every single day, I couldn't ask him. Like, hey, can I go off campus tonight? He'd laugh at me. He'd laugh at me. He was halfway asleep anyway, so he'd laugh at me. I couldn't ask the guy down the hall, the prayer leader down the hall. I had to go to the resident assistant. I had to go to the dean's office to get permission because they were the ones who had Authority. we have to, first of all, recognize that God has authority in our lives. You see, humility is required for us to pray bold prayers. Humility is required for us to pray bold prayers. Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the seas... And everything in them. You see, before we go on and accomplish great things for God, the first thing we have to do is recognize that He is in authority. Secondly, we should never forget that God is in control. We should never forget that God is in control. And before you think that that's saying the same thing, it's really not. Because you can still realize that God is in authority and not trust that He's in control, right? I mean, imagine being one of those people in the church in that time. You probably were thinking, there's no way God's in control. Our leaders are in jail. They've just been in jail. If we continue on like we have been, we're going to be in jail. God can't be in control. Yet, look what they say. Verse 25, Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage? Why did the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and their rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed that whole phrase there was from Psalms, and it was actually a prophecy predicting what Jesus would go through, and they recognized that. But look at verse 27 and 28. For truly in this city there were gathered together people against your holy servant Jesus. They're talking about the fact that Jesus had people that came against him whom God anointed, Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, all these people that God anointed to be in charge We're now coming against Jesus. Verse 28, and this is the kicker here. Verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Listen, this first group of Christians Before they went to God and asked this bold prayer, before they appealed to God, they recognized his authority, but they also recognized he's in control. Let let me get personal here with you for a moment. I don't want to talk about church, just for a moment. I would imagine that each of you have something in your life, whether you're a child or a student or or a parent, or, or even those of you who are in the retirement phase of life, Each of you probably have something in your mind that you're fearful about, that you're wondering if God can possibly be in control of this. This group of Christians, part of their bold prayer, part of their fearless fearless prayer, was recognizing that God is in control. Even if it seems chaotic even if it's scary, even if it's full of fear, God is in control. And that's part of asking for his help and for asking bold, audacious, crazy prayers is realizing that God is in control, even when we don't see it. If you've Been attending church here for any length of time. You know, one of the things that I don't like is um, Christian cliches and phrases that we say thoughtlessly, or that's written thoughtlessly, or that's up on a billboard thoughtlessly. And, and people are probably well-meaning when they say those things. But for some reason, it just makes my skin crawl. I don't know why. I think it's because there's little thought. Now, some of them are great, and they're profound, and they make a, a, a complicated truth simple. But um, I remember being in high school, and in our high school gym, I went to a Christian high school, and there was a banner on the, in the gym, and it hung from the gym, and it said this, Let go and let God. Let go and let God. How many of you have heard that before, that phrase? Okay. I don't know why it always bothered me. First of all, I was like, "Well, they didn't finish it." Right? Like, did they print it wrong? Let go and let God what? <laughs> you know, win the state championship, it's hanging in our gym. Let go and let God help us with good grades. What? They didn't finish it. The printer made a mistake. And then I thought, later in my life, it's exactly right. Let go And let God, allow God to do his work. And some of you are in here today and your concerns and the problems that you have and the issues and challenges that you're facing, whether it be a broken relationship or horrible finances or someone, students at school who's bullying you, you're hanging on so tight. And what these first Christ followers are telling us Is that we need to realize that He is in control. And lastly, point number three, is we need to ask God for courage when we're sharing Jesus with others. We need to ask God for courage when we're sharing Jesus with others when we consider the work that God's done in us and for us, and the work that he did on the cross, and the work that he did by sending his Holy Spirit, who now, those of you who are Christ followers, lives in you once you become a Christ follower. The work that he has done is an indication that he can continue to do that work in others, and it should spur us on to share that message. And while we aren't faced with criminal persecution today for doing that, thank God we live in a country where we don't face that. Isn't that right? While we don't face it from a criminal aspect, sometimes it is very daunting, isn't it? To go across the street to a neighbor who you know doesn't know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior and have that conversation seems daunting because now your neighbor knows that you're one of those Christians, Right? One of those crazy Christians, students in your school telling someone to come with me to youth group, letting them know that you go to church and that you're at least somewhat serious about your relationship with God, so serious you took three days out of your life to focus on it, can be a daunting task, can't it? It can be fearful. But God has called us, those of you who are Christ followers, to share his Message, and we as a church need to ask God for courage. Look at verses 29 and 30. And now, Lord, look upon their threats, these threats that they're faced with, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. I would have gotten it wrong. I would have. I'm admitting it. I would have changed the plan. They didn't. Thank God they didn't change the plan. And, church, as much as we would want to have changed the plan in that moment, we need to be praying the same prayer. While you stretch out, verse 30, your hand to heal and signs and wonders, which that's the reason they were in the trouble in the first place. They were praying for more of it. And perform through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We need to first recognize that God's in authority. Recognize that God's in control. And then once we've done that, once we've humbled ourselves and realized the situation, then we can come together as a church and we can pray that bold, audacious prayer that God would continue his work with his church. And I can't wait to tell you about some of the ways that we're going to do that in the next months and years. Please don't miss next Sunday as we begin to unpack that. We need to have boldness in our mission to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ and to lead others to follow him. We know what happened. What happened is is they continued to share that message. They continued to heal people. They continued to serve their community. And they were persecuted in many cases. For centuries they were persecuted in many cases. But they continued the work of God with boldness they first understood that god was in authority and they understood that god was in control and then they prayed for boldness hilton head island community church i'm asking for us to get together and to pray for boldness in this next chapter in the life of our church we're going to be doing that this friday i want you to be here this friday as we pray for boldness for god to go before us because i know one thing if we don't commit this next phase of our ministry and our church to prayer, we will fail. If we do not ask for God's help, we will fail. But I can tell you 100% sure that if we do ask for his help, if we are bold with asking for God for courage to go about this next phase of the life of our church, We will win because God is the one in control. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing in the life of this church. God, I thank you for 30 or 40 people involved in D-Now, students who are serious about their relationship with you. God, I thank you that they took time out of their schedule and that host homes took time out of their schedule. And God, they focused on what it means to pause And God, I pray for these students who are gathered right in front of me that you would help them to be able to do that, that you would give them the courage to be able to get serious about their relationship with you, to spend time with you every day, to spend time in your word and spend time talking to you. But God, as a church, students all the way up, God, I pray that you would give us that kind of boldness that we just saw. God, that you would help us when we have fear, that you would help us when we have concern. God, that you would help us when we feel like it's not organized enough, it's not funded correctly, it's not prepared right. God, I pray that you would give us the faith to realize that you're in authority, you're in control, and God, we can be bold because we have you on our side. God, I thank you for what Jesus did on the cross for our sins. God, I thank you for the gift of eternal life that you gave us through sending Jesus to this earth to live, to have a three-year ministry, to die and then to rise again. God, we thank you for that. And I pray that we would be your people here in 2014 who would carry that on, carry that mission on, to share with our world, our community, our state, our region, our nation, and our world, the great news of the salvation and the redemption of all of mankind. Help us to do that. and Help us, when we have fear, to trust that you're in control. In Jesus' name I pray.